Hi, Dr. Weiss. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Looking forward. Yeah, I'm excited to get into it because I have been speaking to a few doctors, but none of them have really specifically dived into PCOS. And as you know, also, I have a lot of people in my audience who are struggling with PCOS, dealing with PCOS, trying to approach it from both a medical and holistic perspective. And I think you're such a great person to talk about this because you have so much experience working with women with PCOS and you really do look at, you know, the whole picture when it comes to health and PCOS. And we're going to get into all of that, but just, yeah, go for it. Before we even start, I just wanted to just level set. I don't believe that medicals on one side and holistics on the other side. Okay. I believe that we have to put our goals ahead of us and how you get there is different for everybody. So, you know, some people will, you know, just need the medications or some people will need the diet and exercise, but I think you need to, we need to adapt it toward the, you know, towards the unique and individual patient in front and in front of us with the knowledge of what works, what may or may not work. And that's why, you know, medicine and uh, is, a, is more of an art than a science. Uh, but I definitely think that, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to like separate those two. And that's my, my opinion. So <laughs> no, thank you. I appreciate that perspective because I do think they get pitted against each other, especially in the, you know, we're going to talk a lot about how social media has played into some of that. Um, but before we even get into all the PCOS stuff, can you just give our listeners a little bit of background about you and how you got to be where you are today? Oh, excellent. Great. Thank you for, uh, that's a great question. And, uh, uh, thank you for this platform because I really feel that, you know, when I was treating, you know, patients one-on-one, it's, it's very micro, you treat, you treat the patient right in front of you. But when you have a forum like this, you're able to, you know, expand your boundaries, you have a much more macro influence. Um, so I actually have a, ba- a bachelor's in philosophy, uh, from Ramapo college, uh, and a minor. In- oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so I always say that 95% of what I do now is that philosophy degree. And then the 5% is the medicine, <laughs> but, um, but I went to, uh, Ohio state, the Ohio state, uh, college of medicine, uh, in Columbus, Ohio, had a, a wonderful time there really got, you know, turned on to like being not only a surgeon, but a gynecologist treating patients, delivering babies, and was very interested in, in, uh, women's health. I felt that I wanted to, to take patients through their entire life cycle from when they started menstruating all the way down to when they're, you know, till they're aging gracefully. And it was a phenomenal, um, choice because I, I really saw that, like, I, I felt like I wanted to do something with my hands to be a surgeon, but I didn't want to be a surgeon entirely who treats gallbladders or appendix or bowels or, or whatnot, or do a subspecialty, but I wanted to treat patients. Um, and so the art of, Gynecology really, you know, bridges the gap where you train, treating patients, seeing patients, taking care of them for their whole life and doing surgery when it's indicated. Um, so I went to uh, Einstein residency um, uh, for uh, in, in the Bronx for my specialty training um, and uh, practiced uh, basic uh, OBGYN, bread and butter OBGYN deliveries and whatnot on Long Island for about eight, nine years. Got an MBA uh, master's in business from George Washington University. Um, my, my plan was, is I was going to expand and further my knowledge base and getting into entrepreneurship and companies, et cetera, et cetera. And then, um, as my career advanced, because I want one thing, you know, as good as OBGYN is and has been for me, it's very hard to continue to do deliveries your whole life. It takes its toll, both emotionally, physically. And, you know, I don't, you know, you, you see some of these is old timers we call, and I guess I'm an old timer now looking at my gray beard, but, uh, but looking at some of the old timers that trained me. Um, you know, it, 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 it takes their toll on their, on their life and, and expectancy, et cetera. And so 
So uh, I figured that with my MBA, I would be able to transition into something more either academic or educational or administrative or something uh, in, in that in that uh, regard. Um, and then we moved to Israel in 2008. You may or may not know our, our house burned down. And six months later, uh, we moved to Israel. Um, yeah, it's it's a. Uh, oh, my gosh, but, I did not know that. Yeah, it's a dramatic story. I always say it's a tragedy, wow. but not a tragedy. It could have been a lot worse. We had, you know, at the time, six kids. Um, we all got out without, a, a, you know, even a, a breath, one whiff of smoke. Alarm went off at 3 a.m. and we got out. And uh, what's what's funny was that the, that night before um, I had a, a lady in labor and I was on call for the practice and I had sent her in and I was expecting a call. You know, she's four centimeters. We're going to start an epidural and go through the whole. Um, and then I was going to make my way into the hospital. And, and at 3 a.m., the, the fire, we run out of the house, 24 minutes, the whole house is burnt down. And, and then I get a call at like six. She's, you know, getting ready to push. And I run to the hospital, deliver the baby. And then literally uh, the next day, the, the, the newspaper headline was hero dad saves kids, delivers baby. You know, so it was just that I have the I have the chills. I'm literally covered in chills. That's crazy. I did not know that story. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it was uh, it was quite dramatic. And then six months later, we moved to Israel. You know, since then, uh, you, you know, you know, living here, it's. It, you kind of get into this new OLA, this new citizen fog, so to speak, this cloud. Um, I got involved in a biotech company. I started my own biotech company, worked uh, in all in women's health. I uh, worked at Teva uh, Pharmaceuticals uh, as the head of uh, global medical director for women's health. So every you know women's health idea that came through that was trying to be sold to Teva, bought from Teva or whatever, came through my desk and I had to evaluate it. And and, uh, and then I went to Juniper Pharmaceuticals for another two years after uh, Teva stopped their women's health division and uh, was a clinical development lead and, and medical affairs lead at Juniper. And, and then I came back to Israel because I was only gone for one year, uh, started another company um, where I was the interim CEO for a medical di diagnostic company and then started Probation Life uh, a few years later. Um, all through the time, though, I was always treating patients. I always kept active and seeing patients, making sure I was maintaining my, my clinical uh, practice. Um, and then when I came back from Boston, was working a lot, you know, harder, a lot longer hours in the clinic. Um, but one thing, and this kind of answers your question, um, one thing we always looked at, and when we were trying to develop, you know, drugs or develop interventions for, for women's health, the largest unmet medical need in women's health bar none is polycystic ovary syndrome. Polycystic ovary syndrome is, is underrepresented in, in the research. It's underrepresented in, in medications. Um, and, you know, there are many reasons for that. I have a blog post I wrote uh, a few years ago about it. And, you know, it was, it, it's very frustrating. And if, if you were to see what these pharmaceutical companies and what these, you know, what investors invest in, it just, it boggles the mind that you have, literally almost 10, 15, in some populations, 20% of the female population has some like form of PCOS. It's unbelievable. And you would think that, that every you know, drug company that's looking to develop anything or make any, any money would, would try, to, try to develop something there. And the problem is it's just very challenging. Not everyone is of the same shape and size. Not everyone has the same type of PCOS. Uh, and so it's really challenging to um, to do a, a clinical development uh, program when, you know, if you're successful with the portion of patients that are interested in conceiving, if you're successful with PCOS, they're going to conceive. So now you have a new, new drug that with a pregnant patient, 
you have to follow these patients for like 18 years to make sure nothing's wrong with the, with the baby. So it, it, no one's doing that. And it's very, very challenging. And, and, you know, even the pharmaceutical companies say, well, if they don't want to get pregnant, give them the pill. If they do want to get pregnant, give them infertility workup. Done. Next patient, please. So that's, that's challenging. And, 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 you know, I've spoken to you about this in the past. And that's also the problem of doctors. Um, basically, you know, when, when patients come into the office with PCOS, they can like, like label them even before they come in. They see them, they know exactly, you know, what's chief complaint. They, they know what they're going to be getting themselves um, as they, you know, if they want pregnancy or if they don't want pregnancy, if they just want to become a regulated with their cycles or not. And so there's, there's um, a, a little bit or a huge disconnect between the practitioners, the you know, pharmaceutical companies and, the, and what the patients need. And so I, and I just see it and I just saw, you know, every couple months, I would see another research article. I think actually every couple of weeks I have a, you know, my alerts and I get these research articles get published on, you know, breaking news and women's health. And there's always some other study that's done in some part of the world addressing lifestyle modifications that actually work. Like we've talked about, you know, diet, nutrition, exercise, uh, mental wellness, microbiome. And, and we just, don't, we just don't talk about it enough. And that's really the, the crux of why I, 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 you know, trying to get out there more and more and more. And, you know, you, you touched on it in our discussion about social media and about, you know, uh, what's happening now. And I feel like now is really an opportune moment to, to, to go from patient up and from doctor down, right. Um, to help doctors treat their patients and help, help patients really individually, um, you know, achieve their goals. Cause I think that that's, that's what we're trying to do here. Yeah. First of all, thank you. Yes, you did. And I really appreciate you explaining a little bit also in terms of the research, because I think it's very easy from a patient perspective. And I'm, you know, thinking back to the time when I was first diagnosed and you're so overwhelmed and you're like, well, why isn't my doctor fixing this? And why isn't there some magical drug out there? And it's important when you explain, you know, there's a lot of different things that go into clinical trials with pharmaceuticals and it's not so simple. And especially when pregnancy is involved, there's I'm sure even more. Right barriers to doing that kind of research, which is, you know, whatever, that's just the reality for better or for worse. So I appreciate you explaining that. Um, and yeah, can you tell us just a little bit more when you say going from doctor down and patient up, what, what does that mean? Cause I know you also always say, I remember you once actually said it to me when I asked you a question, you said, you know, I don't look at labs. I look at people and we have to take all these different things into account. So can you explain to women who are listening, who might have PCOS, how they can, you know, both leverage the help and expertise of their doctors, but also take things from the ground up into into their own hands. Yeah, I, I think you, you you touched on a, a few points. Um, one point uh, one point is it's not all the doctors and pharmaceuticals fault. Okay, <laughs> there there is a, a not, and I'm not trying to blame. We're not putting the blame or or, or pointing our finger. There's some responsibility because, like you said yourself, when you know when you were diagnosed, you said, "Fix me, fix me. I want to get fixed now, now, now." And unfortunately. It, you know, it doesn't work like that. It's like, we, we're not going to give a drug and snap our fingers and everything's going to turn around. And I always tell this to my patients that it didn't start overnight. You didn't get your, you know, PCOS. You woke up one morning with PCOS. It, it basically started. And, and there's many, many reasons we can talk about, you know, in for hours and hours in different podcasts about, you know, the etiology and how PCOS starts or manifests itself, but it didn't start overnight. It's not going to go away overnight. And so there is an instantaneous gratification mentality, both amongst 
physicians and with patients. And the patients come in and say, I want to be fixed. I want to be fixed. And if a doctor starts, and, and to the doctor's defense, if a doctor starts saying, well, you know, I want you to do this, that, and the other thing is going to take a few months and blah, 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 and it's going to take this. And then if, if everything, then we'll go you know, to IVF or it doesn't work, or then we'll go to some other intervention if that doesn't work. And the, and the patients sometimes they leave, they go to another doctor. I know this happened in the States. They go to the doctor says, oh, we're going to do this, that, and the other thing, we're going to have it today. And you're going to have a baby next month. You know, unrealistic things, but at least the patient feels like she is being listened to and saying, oh, see, the doctor's doing something. And this is something one of my mentors told me that patients like, they love lab tests. They love to do things. I'm not, again, I'm, I'm not I'm generalizing here, but I just, it takes a very, very, very competent, and very um, humble doctor to say, hey, let's take it slow here. Let's go one step at a time. Let's let's try these interventions. Let's not treat lab tests. And I think that when you do a blood test, you're doing the blood test. It doesn't tell you what your blood tests were five minutes before or five minutes after. It only tells me what you were at that time. And so much stuff goes in to where you're holding, whether it be stress and anxiety, how you slept last night. Did you exercise well this week? Did you eat well this week? Everything has a, a trickle-down effect starting you know, from the brain to the thyroid to the adrenals to the ovaries and then back. And then each one has negative and positive impacts. So it's really challenging to, you know, to, to and, and I get this all the time, okay? I know, I know, I think we've spoken about this. Patient shows up with labs or patient shows up and says, my last doctor says I don't have PCOS, right? And she yeah. has PCOS, <laughs> there's no question about it. Okay, fine, the labs don't show it 100%. You know, this doesn't, she, but her symptoms are 100%. She's got like facial acne, whatever it is. Her cycles are all over the place. She hasn't menstruated in 70 days. And I'm like, I, I can't tell you about the past. I can tell you about what's sitting in front of me. And I think, and, and so I, I, I tell them that, that, you know, life is like a pendulum. We're always on, we're always swinging, right? We're always going in things, out of things. And, and it really depends on what your, your, you know, what's going on in your life at the time, you know, marrying off a child, having, you know, there's so many stresses in life that have this impact on our whole body um, that, you know, you could be doing amazing and, you know, menstruating every month and, and, and not having any issues. And then all of a sudden things stop because of something that happens in your life that you don't realize has downstream effects. So. So it's really hard to to put people in a box, um, but the world likes to be put in a box and likes to put a bow around it and say, here, these are your things. Here's what you have to do. Go learn about this. Come back and ask me questions. And and so, you know, you would ask me about, um, you know, patient up and doctor down. I think, I think you know, we got to meet in the middle, right? Patients have to be open-minded um, educated. And one of my biggest platforms is trying to educate patients, educate patients and kind of individualize and, and, and don't, you know, and, and this, maybe we could touch on the social media aspect of it now, why it's so massive is, is, um, uh, specifically the PCOS is don't, um, don't look at one person and say, Hey, she had success doing this. Why don't I, or like, I, I think what you need to do is you need to take nuggets Pearls of wisdom, you know, little nuggets that are thrown from different people um, that are valuable. Don't get me wrong. It's valuable. And then internalize it and see how it works for you. And then try to figure out a package that you want to talk about with your doctor. Now, from the doctor's perspective, the doctor, unfortunately, I think, that you know, in America, they're being reimbursed for the wrong thing. Okay. What is that? Yeah. Tell us about that. What does that mean? They're being reimbursed not for health. 
okay? They're being reimbursed for um, like numbers of patients, numbers of procedures, number of scripts. And the faster the patient comes in and out of their office, they're seeing and they're billing, they're seeing and they're billing, they're seeing and they're billing. And there was a, uh, a, a model of Kaiser Permanente, which you may be aware is the, is the big HMO on the West Coast that tried to um, into implement uh, a remuneration or, or reimbursement um, based on on health, on how healthy your patients were, how many callbacks, how many bounce backs, how their blood pressure, whatever it was that you that you know you were treating, and so it, it's successful to a certain degree. But you have to be a Kaiser Permanente. You can't you can't like globalize it unless you have a globalized healthcare system. And uh, you know the idea is that we should be keeping patients out of the hospital, not sending them to the ER and trying to clog the system there. So. So doctors are incentivized to not necessarily write like write scripts, although that is an answer because the sooner they write the script, the sooner they're out of their office. Um, but so so they're they're in, they're out. You know, they just keep getting more and more patients. So, and <laughs> the kicker is, it's it's hard, time consuming, to counsel patients about diet, exercise, nutrition. And so I value, I value my, my practice here in Israel because actually I have time to sit and talk to patients when they come in. My, my pregnant patients, thankfully, you know, they're uncomplicated or rel- relatively quick. I book them 15 minutes and you know, sometimes it's less than that. And I'm able to, to catch up for the, for the other patients um, and when I go overtime. So you know, sitting and talking, I actually, I had a, a conversation with a dermatologist friend of mine um, and she started asking me about my supplement, um, that, you know, whether or not we'll talk about it now or later, that, that drops androgen levels dramatically. Like I've, I've shown it in, in the labs. And as a result, their acne resolves and their, their facial hair resolves. I had one patient who in three weeks, her, her coarse facial hair, just on the, just on the supplement alone, uh, her coarse facial hair resolved. It started going back to the, you know, how the, the process of, of hair growth is it? It becomes like wispy and then it gets darker and thicker. And then so it was like resolving. It was going from wow. thick to like to like almost non-existent. I was shocked. I couldn't believe it was so fast. But, you know, that was her issue. So I spoke to the dermatologist because I got a little bit off t- topic. And I said, um, uh, you know, I remember exactly. It was like, you have to counsel these patients about diet, exercise, nutrition. You have to counsel these patients about these different aspects to help them with their you know, with their, um, their, their PCOS and with their androgen levels. And she looked at me in the eye. She says, the insurance companies don't pay me to counsel patients. Wow. She wanted just something to give them and say, take this and come back and see me in, 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 in six weeks, whatever, you know? And I just, I was like heartbroken. I said, but you're a doctor. Don't, don't isn't that part of it? Like, you know, so I think the pendulum has to shift there too. Um, and, and, you know, it's not just patients on social media, there's a lot of doctors on social media. And the problem, you know, and this is what I kind of started off our conversation with is you need to, you have to take the medicine, you have to take the, the holistic and merge it. And you can't just be this, I don't want to say snake oil salesman, but you know, you, you listen to these doctors, some of these doctors are off the plantation, you know, do this, do that, and take this oil and that primrose. And it's, it's, and I think I've spoken to you about this before, about the, my circle, my PCOS Venn diagram. Yeah, t- but for people who haven't heard about it, tell tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so when when a patient, um, and thanks to you, Laura, by the way, I've had I have a couple patients that that you've referred to me, and I come in, I'm like, okay, what, where are you in the in this knowledge base? And so I always start with um, 
you know, talking to the patient, I always want to know what their goals are. Okay. Cause every patient has different goals. You know, I had one patient with PCOS. She had to conceive by April because she was starting, you know, a specific internship the following year and she needed that window. And I, I said, oh my God, there's so much pressure on you. Do you realize that that's causing so much of the pressure? Cause, cause it's not just uh, insulin resistant PCOS. It's also adrenal PCOS. I'm so, I'm so glad you brought that up as an example. Cause I think for a lot of women, listen, myself included, <laughs> I was actually just talking about this with a bunch of friends. We're all like, you know, this winter, hopefully none of us are going to be pregnant. We've got to go skiing. And everyone's like, yeah, we're planning pregnancies around ski season. And it's kind of a joke, but it's also kind of not a joke because I know at least for me, I'm kind of down for the count when I'm pregnant. I have had really difficult pregnancies. It takes over your life. It takes over your life as a mom, as an entrepreneur. So I get that pressure to feel like it needs to happen at the right time because we're so planning oriented in this society. And I, I think that's a very real stress. So I, I appreciate you even bringing that up because it's, and I appreciate that you're saying like, as a doctor, you know, that is the patient's goals. We're going to try to, you know, try to help her as much as possible. Right. So I always try to get a level set. I say to any fertile couple, there is a 70% chance they will conceive in any given year. Okay. And then I say that again, because it doesn't sink in with our, you know, our patient population specifically. And in general, when patients want to conceive, every time they don't conceive, it's unfortunately, they think it's like such a failure. And I'm like, I got to like level set them and say, hey, you know, like the sperm and the egg to me and that all, you know, the more you know, the more you realize it's an absolute miracle that anyone conceives, anyone has a baby, you know, he has to have 20 million sperm to get through to one egg and to go from the tube to the, to the, to the uterus and implant it. Wow. I mean, it's just uh, absolute. And if you watch some of these videos now that they're posting about like, you know, the, the pregnancies and doubling and it's and turning into a fetus, it's it's insane. And then the fact that the thing could be like a centimeter and a half and have a heartbeat anyway. So it's amazing. It's amazing. It's an absolute, I'm in awe of it every single day. And I'm blessed to have a job where I feel like I get, you know, I see the hand of God every single day. Um, all right. So when a new patient comes to me with PCOS, it, you know, they, A, they either haven't had the diagnosis or they're getting the diagnosis or they're suspicious for it or their sisters have had it or their mother's had it. You know, it's, it's kind of like, sometimes like red flags. And so I, I kind of like have them take a couple deep breaths and I say, listen, I'm going to go through a lot of stuff right now and I'm going to say it on the top level and I'm going to go through each one of these things. And each one of these things is a really lifestyle change and a mentality that, that you have to work through and it doesn't happen overnight. And I always give that line, which I gave earlier, it didn't happen overnight. It's not going to go away overnight. Um, and so, you know, and then you have to have frequent touch points to be motivated with them. But I start with diet and I always uh, not, not to, you know, pat you on the back, but I always give you a a shout out. Thank you. (laughs) I say, um, you know, diet is what you eat. Okay. And then I go into something and then I'm happy. I actually saw you post something about food order. And I've been talking about food order for the longest time because the studies are, are so incredibly um, uh, powerful about how, you know, what order do you eat? The, that could be an entirely healthy meal. You know, it could be, um, avocado, which is a healthy fat, uh, chicken, you know, uh, healthy protein, broccoli, healthy fiber and rice. Okay. Not the best, but, but, but good enough. And if they eat the rice first, I don't have to lecture to you about it, but if they eat the rice first and then go around, your insulin is going to spike, then it's going to drop. And then you're going to be hungry in an hour later. And, and I, I literally had this conversation just yesterday, patients like, I eat healthy and then I'm hungry an hour later. And I said to this and like, 
her eyes like bugged out. She, she had this ah moment. I'm like, just start with the fiber, start with the fiber, you know, and then work your way around and and kind of get that. It's my coach. favorite tip for people because it also doesn't require that much change. It's pretty easy to implement. It's so frustrating when they're already eating healthy, but they're just not getting it over the, you know, that. And I also, the first thing I also say, don't throw me under the bus for this. I tell them not to weigh themselves because they, they come in and their first complaint is I'm eating healthy. I'm exercising. I'm not losing weight. I just say, take the scale, throw it away. Or if you're, if you're doing something that have someone else weigh you, but not tell you, you know, don't, don't look at the number because life is not a number. It's just a number. Yeah. Can we, can we dive a little bit deeper on this? Because I have worked with a lot of women who don't get that response from their doctor. Their doctors tell them, oh, you need to lose weight because you have PCOS. And I also heard when I was diagnosed, the doctor told me I'm, you know, for anyone who doesn't know what I look like, I'm thin. I've always been thin. I've never struggled with weight in my life. And the doctor actually said to me, you know, we probably would have caught this earlier had you been overweight because typically women with PCOS are very overweight. And in my experience working with people, I really see people running across the entire range from really underweight to really overweight everywhere in between lots of people at quote unquote healthy weights, whatever that even means. Can you also just tell us as a doctor, do you, do you agree with that, that there's a typical look or prototype to PCOS or not really? So I mentioned earlier about like, when you see a patient walk through your door, I, I know immediately that they have PCOS, but doesn't mean that I discount it from other patients, meaning like, you can say that there's a typical uh, body habit, so to speak, that, the, you know, uh, whether it be the acne or the hair growth or whatever it is, uh, you can tell um, off the bat. But you can't play by those rules because you're going to get caught. You're going to get burned. You have to be open minded and you have to be, like I said earlier, very humble in this in this business. When, you know, very, very thin person shows up with PCOS like, oh, you know, it's possible. It's, I'm not going to discount it. I always say you never say 100 percent. You never say never or always in medicine. Because the moment you say that, that person is waiting in your waiting room to prove you wrong. And and she'll walk in and, and you know, so, so you have to be very, very humble and just believe that, you know, you were always in this. I'm always in it to learn, to learn more, to get, you know, educated more, help my patients more by becoming more educated myself. Um, and and use my experience, you know, historically to to throw those, those pearls out there. So, um, so I, here's my point with the scale, okay? I, I don't want them to eat whatever and have cheat days or anything like that. I, I, or I just want them to not focus on it. I want, and this is, goes to the motivational aspect, which I think is really missing amongst doctors and patients. Um, I, I'll tell you two, two uh, epiphanies uh, that I had. I had these aha moments. Um, and, and it actually gets to one of my other circles because we we're not even done with the first circle in my in my uh circle of my pcos circle so it turns out that patients actually listen to their doctors to a certain degree um i was actually sitting at a wedding and and, and you know i had these things about these i would say these these lectures i patient presents with this you go through this patient comes with new pregnancy I, I have a whole list of things that i don't even know i'm saying anymore um, and I go through all these things, blah, 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 you know, and then for this patient, she's got to be diabetic. So I, I go, it, it just after, you know, 20 plus years in, in a specific field, you have the same, uh, so you don't miss anything. Uh, and you can always add things. So one of the things I tell a patient, again, this gets to the, one of our, our next circles is after you eat, okay, any meal in the hour after you eat. Now, you know, our old mothers, old wives tell you to say, don't swim or don't exercise. I, I've been telling my patients, that 
in addition to all the other exercises that they should be doing, in the hour after they eat, they just got to get up and and do some sort of exercise, whether it be squats, you know, or at the table or do, you know, I, I actually show them because I have in my, in my office a band, uh, you know, that uh, the rubber band. Yeah, the resistance band. Resistance bands, that's the word I'm looking for. And, and I do, I could do a full body workout with resistance bands. And I say, you know, if a patient doesn't show up, which is rare because I'm usually double booked, um, I have 10, 15 minutes. I'll do a quick 15, 20 minutes, you know, once or even twice a day, just because uh, that really is is um, the most incredible thing that you can do in the hour after you eat. Because, you know, as a nutritionist, you know that when you eat, you have a normal response of the insulin, the insulin spikes to deal with your glucose that you just ate, and, and it's got to deal with it. Now, what does it normally do? It takes it and puts it into the areas. It looks around and says, who needs this? Ah, nobody needs it. I'm going to put it to the liver. I'm going to put it to the fat, okay? Because that's what I need to do because I'm going to store it up for later when you can't eat. It's just a basic, you know, uh, survival mechanism. Um, and it's got to get it out of the system because elevated levels of glucose in the system can, can damage the kidneys, damage the blood vessels, et cetera, diabetes going down that road. So if you exercise when your insulin is still dealing with the sugar or the glucose, because everything is basically broken down to glucose after you eat, in your bloodstream, it, your skeletal muscles, which are now working, are saying, hey, over here, I need, I need. And, then, and so the insulin delivers the, the glucose, the energy to the skeletal muscles that, that are, are using it. And so that you're, you're going to be, you know, shifting uh, from the liver and then the, um, the liver and the, the fat cells, instead of going there, you're going to the, to the skeletal muscles. So I said this to a patient and I say this all the time, okay? And I was sitting at a wedding and someone next to me who I, didn't know, I didn't recognize, says, oh, you saved my daughter's life. And wow. I, I'm like, oh, uh, I, I was like, okay. You know, I, I fortunately in my, in my career, I, I get that a lot. And hopefully I, I get more of that than, than, you know, you know, something else, but, but I get it here and there and, 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 you know, some grateful patients. And, and, and so I was like, you want to, if you want to, you'll care to share more, please do. Uh, she told me the patient's name and I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't, she said, I said this to her daughter who had PCOS, who was overweight and who just couldn't get over anything um, and all the things that she was trying, she wasn't successful at two years ago. And that little, that little thing that I told her, she started losing weight and she had depression and she improved her depression. Everything was like clicking up and everything was aligning just by that little thing that I said. So, so first of all, doctor's words carry meaning, okay? Um, nothing's a throwaway thing. And, and since that meeting, I, I'm very, very careful to be very careful with my, you know, what I say to patients. Um, I wish my kids listened to me as much as the, the patients do. But that's, it's so important, especially women with PCOS, they're at higher rates of risk for things like eating disorders and depression, which are not even symptoms that I'm usually discussing. I think those are symptoms that really get pushed down to the side that like no one's even thinking about because everyone's focusing on the irregular periods or the hair growth or the acne or the weight or the fertility. I feel like those are, you know, the big ones. But mood and eating disorders, I mean, that takes over a person's life. And I'm sure it does. It, it sits very deeply when a right. doctor is telling you versus just when, you know, you might have read it on the Internet. Right. right. Exactly. And it's really critical uh, because it's all connected. It's all that this Venn diagram. Let's, you know, going back to the Venn diagram, the you know, diet is what you eat. The next one is nutrition. OK. And they ask me, well, Dr. Weiss, what's the difference between nutrition and diet? I say. Diet is what you eat. Nutrition is how you eat, when you eat, where you eat, with whom you eat. You know, I said you have a, your toxic best friend that calls you for beer and pizza uh, at 11 p.m. on a, a Saturday night. 
wonderful, but you know, you want to support them because they had a, a rough weekend, but you got to do it in a, in a healthier way. I'm not, you know, go for a walk, you know, or do something that's better than, than that. And, and so, you know, the timing, um, uh, and, and so nutrition also brings up an interesting point, which I get a lot of these questions about what's the best diet, right. For PCOS. And, and I say, yes. Okay. Because, you know, it's, it's really hard as you're well aware to stay to a diet, to, a, to stay firmly to a diet. Um, when you don't immediately see any any you know reactions, um, and so there are studies that say you know keto works, that slow carbs, low carbs, no carbs, intermittent fasting, and that go, go down the entire list. Every one of these these diets has been studied and been shown to be effective in some regards to PCOS. And so my point is, it has to work for the patient. It has to work for her that she's going to stay to it and keep to it. That's the only way that it's going to work. Um, and, and any of these diets can work to the right patient. Uh, one will work for one, one won't, won't work for another. It's got to work and it's got to be something that resonates with you that you're going to stick to. So that's nutrition. I think also just I know from working with people, they're all looking for that kind of the quick black and white, give me a diet that I can follow because it actually sound, it sounds like it'll be easier, even though for the long run, it doesn't work for most people to stick to something like that. And I always say, kind of goes back to what you're saying, what nutrition really is. It's more about the how, it's about the strategies, it's about the when and the stress that you carry while eating. All of those different things are really, I would say just as if not more important than the actual food on your plate or the recipes that you're following. So yeah, I, I love that you tell your patients that. That's amazing. Yeah, the next box, next circle is exercise. Um, exercise, there are, again, back to my my epiphanies that I had when I was looking at all these studies, um, how many articles come out with lifestyle modification patients that can that can improve PCOS um, and exercise is always up there and they talk about what type of exercises uh, you know high high impact is not that good CrossFit's not that good uh, you know um, you know you want to try to get your heart rate up and not super high um, any of the high impact stuff causes pro-inflammatory um, you know cytokines that could cause damage to the ovary all these things have different theories um, and and I go back to my my point if someone's exercising three times a week and and eating right um, and doing it, you know, I, that's that's what we want. Um, and so, and now before we get too far downstream, and I don't know how long we have, I want to um, I want to just don't forget about uh, about the scale. Okay, I want to come back to that. All right, because it's very important. Well, tell us. I want to hear the rest of the circles because you mentioned diet, nutrition, exercise, right? And then the exercise. What else I is also, part of it? I also tie in the, the twenty minute in addition to the exercise you're doing during the week, uh, the twenty minute after you eat. Okay, and that's just okay. You know, and people say, "Well, I'm, I sit at a desk." Well, then stand up at a desk and do that. You know, so so exercise. The next circle is is mental wellness, and I don't want to say mental health because this isn't a psych, you know, uh, depression discussion. But you you touched on it. And you said it. That there's so much anxiety, depression, um, insomnia, all these things are um, are rampant in our society. They drive the adrenal corticosteroids up. You have a, a higher baseline, you know, cortisol level that actually drives the the negative effects of the LHFSH and has the higher androgen level. So it, it's you know the bottom line is patients have aren't ovulating, but how they get there is different in each patient. We didn't talk about this much, and I, I don't want to spend too much time on that. I actually, I have a question about this. I'm just wondering, cause you've, you know, you've been seeing patients for 20 years. Is it, 
everyone in my generation likes to say that this day and age is the most stressful time in human history. I don't know if that's really true, but do you just in your experience, do you see it as stress being a bigger cause of this? And I know there are so many different things why PCOS rates have risen, but um, do you think that's something you're seeing more in your patients now than you did, let's say 10 or 20 years ago? I think it's a great question. Um, I, I think that the baseline rates are the same, but we're talking about it more. Um, mm-hmm. People are sharing more uh, and getting more help. Okay, so it's not so it's not that I'm talking about the mental mental wellness issue, the mental illness issue, as opposed to uh, the PCOS issue, which I have theories on why that's growing as well. But um, I don't think that it's much more acceptable to be depressed. It's much more acceptable to talk about it. It's much more acceptable. acceptable be an antidepressant. I, w- I will say though, I, I've seen more more patients on antidepressants. You know, the Serenatas, the Cipralex, the the SSRIs than ever before. So that's that's for sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, I see more more obviously all women, but but I've seen a lot of men on it as well. But again, I don't know if that's because the the rates have gone up or the diagnostic rates have gone up. But you know, what's interesting is something we touched on earlier. If a pharmaceutical company has a drug to treat it that's on patent, they'll push the doctors to, to diagnose it. So that's maybe why a lot of these patients are having these diagnoses, anxiety, you know, Clonopin, Clonix, and Ativan, and all these um, medications. I'm getting a lot of those questions of, can I take this when I'm, you know, pregnant and, and whatnot? So it's, it's, a, um, it's, it's so interesting, so fascinating to see how this, this comes and this goes. And, um, and so... Yeah. So I think mental wellness is critical now because of that, you know, we didn't talk about this, but earlier there's you know, four different types of PCOS, the insulin resistance, the inflammatory, the uh, adrenal and, um, and then the post pill like PCOS. And so, and, and people say, well, what, what am I? I'm like, well, I think, I think what I'm seeing, you're, you're a little bit over here, a little bit over here. I think people like they, they vacillate between them all. And sometimes they're out of it totally. And then they conceive and like, well, I conceive without anything. I'm like, thank God, you know, don't, don't ask questions. So I think people go through it. Like that's just what life is, you know? And yeah, uh, totally. I mean, I, I can say just speaking to people, I don't think there's anyone out there who doesn't have a little bit of stress while they're also dealing with PCOS. So I know people, again, we like these boxes. We want that easy classification because I think think it just gives us a sense of control when you feel so out of control and like what's going on with my body. And I know for me, the the fertility piece, the period, the ovulation, all of that felt very out of my control. So it it feels like, oh, if I could get that answer, it's going to help me, even though it's, again, even if you are able to take some tests or were able to take some tests that would tell you what it would be, it doesn't really give you a more clear cut answer because you do have to pay attention to all these circles that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you, um, so when I, so on this, on this circle of the mental wellness, and I, I stress one thing, God gave us the number one antidepressant, gave it to me, gave it to you, gave it to everybody. And it looks like a pill, but it's actually the sun. <laughs> the sun is an antidepressant um, for many reasons. First of all, one, it activates your melatonin and gets you, uh, that's actually somewhat of a mood um, elevate, elevator, anti-anxiety, uh, activate your vitamin D. Um, the more vitamin D, it's actually correlated with less depression and less anxiety. Um, and when you're going outside to get the sun on your head um, and you have to have exposed skin, um, it actually, I recommend exercising. So that's that's the, you know, you, you kill, killing two birds with one stone. So 
And the last thing that it does, the fourth thing, is that if you get more sun and exercise outside, you're going to sleep better at night. Oh, that's a good tip. Yeah. Because I'm I'm like afraid of going outside in this heat wave, but I one thing I've been really committed to that I found has actually made such a big difference in my health. It's a teeny tiny thing, but I pretty much rain or shine, heat wave, whatever the weather is, I walk my kids to daycare every day. No and I say it's I get my it's about 15 minutes each way. So it's like 30 minutes. I'm walking outside pretty early in the morning. And I always say, even if nothing else happens, I know I get that in. And for me, it's also avoiding a massive stressor, which is driving in this country, as I'm sure you know, like but, to me that I literally feel the cortisol flood my body. I've yeah. been in fender benders. It's like a disaster. Yeah. So for me, it's the absence of that plus the benefits of sun and movement. And it's, it's really something I feel like has made a, ma a major impact on my health. And it's very easy to do simple, small things like that. Um, are there other specific tools or tips that you give patients who specifically in the mental wellness circle, because I think that's something that a lot of people have trouble getting started with things that will actually make an impact on yeah, that, yes. on that area. So, um, for many reasons, I tell my patients to do yoga and Pilates. Okay. Um, for, you know, medical reasons, Pilates, uh, I think if, and I have a lot of young patients and because I see the gamut, what I talked about earlier, uh, I tell patients in terms of their pelvic floor health, um, after they have a baby, they should either be doing physical therapy or or Pilates very, very often, like three times, 45 minutes, uh, three times a week, 45 minutes each, if they can, because uh, it's, you know, pelvic floor is not just, and I, I'm a little bit off topic here, but I think it's important. Um, it's not just uh, uh, the, the pelvic floor. It's also all the muscles, the, all the core muscles. And so Pilates really uh, addresses that. Um, but when I say Pilates slash yoga, yoga is this, this mental, you know, acuity and clarity that provides that, you know, anti-anxiety that you really, you know, need. Um, and so if you can work that into your routine on a somewhat regular basis, I mean, I know my wife is, has been doing that for years and she's a different person when after a day of, of yoga, it, it starts her day off two times a week, I think. And if she doesn't get it, it's, it's, it's tough. Like mine is mountain biking. If I don't get it, I'm like grumpy hermit. I just, I'm grumpy. And, it, and you can tell when I do get it, things are not that like dramatic, you know? And so, and so uh, that's a huge thing, the, the yoga. And there was just one other thing that I wanted to mention about, oh, you know, there's been a lot of um, discussion about, about journaling um, at, for mental wellness. Again, not not antidepressant, not anti-anxiety, but just mental wellness, maintaining that and seeing if you're drifting down, the journaling can help. Um, what journaling does, it really, it focuses you on your successes because uh, every day you have successes. Uh, and, and, and so you want to try to like loop those together and know that you do have a, a positive feeling about it. Uh, and, and if you're able to motivate yourself to, to do something on that um, regularity, it, it definitely helps. And it's definitely a positive. So you know, that's such a good tip because also these are things that are so accessible to people. I mean, journaling is free. You could do tons of yoga videos on YouTube or there's so many apps and programs out there now that are really affordable. You could do them from home. I do yoga most days from home. Um, so I appreciate you giving really practical 
actionable steps for people. Can we also get into supplements, especially inositol? Because I know a lot of people ask me about the inositol. How does it work? Why does it work? Why inositol and not metformin? Why not both of them? So I want to just hear, you know, tell us a little bit about what inositol is, what it does and how that can play a role in all of this with PCOS. Okay. Before we get there though, I'm doing still because that supplements is a circle. It it is a circle there, but the next circle is microbiome. Um, you know, the microbiome is, is, is basically we're covered with bacteria, bacteria all over us in our mouth and our guts and our, and our skin, um, in, you know, women's vaginas as well. And it, it could be very, very healthy and supportive and anti-inflammatory. It could actually be associated with disease. If it's not healthy, it could be associated with neurodegenerative diseases, cancers, autoimmune diseases. And the reason we know this is because they've been testing, uh, people's microbiome and they say, you know, this specific microbiome has an increased risk of these diseases and these diseases. And, and so PCOS, metabolic syndrome, diabetes, uh, obesity are all lumped together because it, in my mind, a lot of them overlap. Um, and that goes into your question about the metformin. And so um, if you're able to keep your, met, your microbiome healthy, and that means eating probiotics, prebiotics, symbiotics, um, and uh, making and only going antibiotics when you really need it, uh, you'll see a dramatic improvement. I mean, it's, it's there, the data is there. That's is not something that I'm, I'm, you know, coming out new or standing on a soapbox saying, I just, it's one of the things that you need to think about. Um, uh, the, the problem is it's very hard to change your, your microbiome over time. And it takes a long time, like a, you know, turning a cruise ship very, very, very slowly. Um, and eventually though, you'll be going the right direction. You you brought up supplements, and I, I'm happy you did because I, I don't want this to be all about supplements. I want this to be supplements as one of the circles in the Venn diagram. But I did create a, a company on the on that, and and the reason I did, and I'll, I'll you know my aha, one of my epiphanies, my aha moment was I I was getting all these articles saying try this inositol, you know d d di, you know d d Cairo mile um, do. Uh, Berberine. Uh, there's a whole cinnamon. There's a, a really powerful study out of Columbia that said cinnamon was able to reverse PCOS in, in 30 patients, uh, or is it 64 patients? Uh, in a significant amount. Uh, uh, I forgot what the study size was. Uh, Rogerio Lobo did that one. We can link it in the show notes if anyone wants to get to get the details. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's all these supplements and studies about them. Well, then I started telling my patients, go on this, 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 and this, and I gave them a list. And one of my patients, and then one of my patients' fathers, because I was friendly with the family, he was going to the States and he was buying all the supplements. He sent me a picture on WhatsApp of a list of like, like five or six of these bottles. And, and he's like, is this what you want my daughter to take? And I said, yes. And I go, wait, that, that must cost a, a fortune, like $350. And he's like, yeah, about $384. And I said, that, that's when my aha moment came because she started calling me. When should I take this? How should I take this? It says with food, without food. And so I basically put all of this, my, my magic mix into, into one um, powder. Um, and the powder has 11 uh, inositol, 11 ingredients, including inositol, including uh, chromium, cinnamon, berberine, turmeric, magnesium, zinc, folic acid, coenzyme Q. I put folic acid in there because these patients are actually conceiving um, and they're doing amazing. Um, and so what I, what I did was I took, a, a bunch of, of these supplements that patients have been using for PCOS and patients are using for type 2 diabetes, for glucose control, 
because you discussed metformin because the vast majority of patients with PCOS have insulin resistance. Basically, their insulins are, 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 are too high because they're not being um, listened to properly. The insulin goes to the theca cells on the surface of, uh, in the uterine, in the ovary, and the theca cells uh, are what is responsible for LH, or LH is responsible for the theca cells, and that's where your androgens, your male hormones come from. And so it's, it's very stimulating to that cell as opposed to the granulosa cell, which is FS, you know, the follicle-stimulating hormone and estrogen. So, you, so your, your, your ratios are off, okay? And if your ratios are off, you're not ovulating. And if you're not ovulating, you don't you know, let go of an egg, you're not gonna conceive, you're not gonna have a menstrual cycle properly. Um, and because your androgen levels are basically on the cellular level, the insulin causes that. Uh, so, uh, so you have the high androgen levels. So what these, in, you know, specifically inositol and cinnamon and chromium, what they all do, this whole list in berberine, they actually enhance the cellular acceptability to insulin. So it improves your insulin resistance by improving insulin sensitivity. And so now your insulin is actually being listened to. So you don't need to drop to drive up your insulin. So your glucose is being dealt with in a proper manner. So if you have high insulin levels, it goes to your ovary and it causes your androgens, like we just discussed, to be elevated. And so if you're blocking that insulin, uh, you know, uh, elevation, you're, you're going to block that. You're going to drop your androgen levels, and hopefully, it's going to realign that LH-FSH ratio, and then have your LH spike when it's appropriate in mid-cycle and ovulate. So, so all these, what, what was fascinating, and the, the research I did and the patent that I wrote, which we're we're, we're about, hopefully about to get granted basically look at on the cellular level all of these all of these molecules you know the inositol the chromium the cinnamon the the berberine a turmeric um they all address a different aspect of the insulin response so i, I don't want to get too too technical but each one of them is like a cofactor in one enzymatic um reaction in a different level um, and so you asked about metformin, and metformin is a is one of the GLP one um, uh, medications. It's like an agonist, right? Um, and so, so just tell us because I know a lot of people are prescribed metformin, and for I know for some people it's a great option. I know just a lot of people have annoying side effects from it, digestive symptoms. So, like, is there other than the side effects? Because I don't know anyone who's had the side effects from any side effects from inositol, but are there other benefits to choosing inositol over metformin? Um, so again, it, it, I'll, I just want to, or it depends on the person. It, it really depends on the person. I, I would say the vast, vast majority of patients do not tolerate the glucophage or the metformin um, because of the side effects. Uh, they don't see it. You know, I'll tell you how many times I've gotten patients who have given the prescription for metformin, they go to the pharmacy, the pharmacy says, are you diabetic? And they come back to me saying, well, the pharmacist didn't give it to me because I'm not a diabetic. And I'm like, oh, you know, like, I know you're not a diabetic, but you're like, <laughs> you have to kind of like, and then, then that gives me, so I always, whenever I give the prescription, I go through the, you're not a diabetic, but you know, these things have been shown to be effective in PCOS, but they don't stay on it because they're, they're, they're large pills. They're, they cause a lot of GI disturbances. They don't take enough of it. Um, uh, but metformin is, is great, but the but the supplements actually work very very similar uh, on different uh, metabolic pathways, enzymatic pathways to what the effect of metformin. Uh, they work they work well together also because they accentuate. Um, uh, so you know a lot of these studies have been done to show metformin's 
uh, effect on IVF cycles, on uh, inositol's effect on IVF cycles, them together, them apart. And they did like all these different arms and, and they've shown uh, fairly um, positive responses. So my, uh, my, my goal is to do something that works for these patients. Um, and get them to stay to the program and whatever they, you know, whatever route they choose to, to stay with, with it, whether it be the metformin route or the inositol route or both. And so, you know, my supplement that I put together is inositol plus, and it has all these other things, not just the inositol. Um, and so it's, it's, uh, what we also found out is that we, we give a lower dose of all these supplements in it. Uh, cause we want to start them off at, at the least. And I've been getting such unbelievable response rates. From from my supplements, with my patients are writing back to me. Uh, they're they're texting me. They're they're coming back and seeing me in my in my office, or you know if they bought it online, they're they're writing back to the company. Um, it's been it's been I don't want to say off the charts, but it's been off the charts uh, responsive. Uh, one patient wrote back, you know, this is the magic powder. I've been taking it now. And remember, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes you know weeks to months before it, the system starts to. To, to rectify itself. Um, you know, this patient conceived after three months. And I had in my clinical trial, I did a, just a pilot trial of 10 patients. Uh, I had like seven conceptions. Wow. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. You know, results will vary, but it, I don't think it was just that. I think it was also having my patients into the system, you know, into the probation life system, into all the, into the boxes. And then, and just the last circle is medication. You know, my last circle at the top is medication. I don't want to be this guy, this doctor to say, oh, you don't need those medications. Oh, pharmaceutical companies, blah, 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 you know, medicine bad, oh, allopathic medicine. Just you, you're, there are many patients that will benefit and may need IVF, may need to get the injections, may need GLPs. There's so many different options out there available that, um, that you just need to have that open mind and have that conversation and identify that patient who's sitting in front of you's needs. Um, and so, and so I always try to make sure that, um, that patients understand the entire Venn diagram, um, when they leave my office, sometimes we got to go over it again. And, and, and so just to, just to like kind of finish then I said, I wanted to talk about the weight. What I try to do is motivate my patients to make lifestyle changes that are reproducible, that are, that they can take ownership of. And that changes who they are, meaning that not who they are personality wise, but that person. Um, and so I don't look at it as, oh, I want you to lose weight. I look at it as I want you to in in integrate these things into your life that now, you know, I always give this example. Um, you know, I live in an Orthodox community and I say, you know, that before sunset on Friday where you can't do any work, you always see that person who's running on the street, you know, running around the block. They did all blue. Yeah. They're about to light candles, and then and then that same person after the Saturday night when the sun sets, the same person is running because it defines them. It's who they are. So, you know, when we do things, when we try to motivate ourselves, and this is from James Clear, Atomic Habits, highly recommend. I love that book. I I recommend it to all my clients. Yeah, and I I do too. And this is just from the introduction. Okay, basically we put up, and I draw this out for them. We put up a goal. Okay, we want to try to reach this goal and we have time and effort. And we think if we put the time and effort on, it's going to be linear and we're going to hit it. And it doesn't. It's not the way it works. What happens is, is that you put the time and effort in and you don't make any progress. 
And it could be days, it could be weeks, it could be months. And you're just like, now what? Now I'm going to change horses. I'm going to go to this. And it's going to be the same thing. I'm going to go to this and try to do the same thing. And most of, of the people, if you, if you remember that, that chart was like this valley. And, we, and, and like 95% of patients fall off in that valley. Very few continue on. And um, it's a valley of despair, valley of failure. What I try to tell patients is you need to not look at the goal as I'm trying to get to a number on a scale. You want to look as to try to internalize those habits to define who you are. You're not a person who exercises. You are, that is you. It's like, you, there's no, there's no daylight between the two. Yeah, totally. I always tell people, I think when you focus on the efforts, because that's all you could control and listen, we hope for the best outcomes. We can look at all the research that says, if you do these things, it will hopefully produce the best outcomes. But at the end of the day, we can't control the outcomes. And what you can control is at least the effort. So I always tell people, you know, we celebrate the wins of the effort. So it's not yeah. whether you lost weight or not, or whether even whether you got the regular period or the the pregnancy, of course, like, of course we do celebrate those, but we're really celebrating, uh, you know, you're taking the time to make breakfast for yourself. You're taking the time to do the the meditation or the journaling or the exercise, because I think that's what empowers people to then do exactly what you're saying. They bring it into their life and they're consistent with it. And that's where right. over the long term you really see results. And especially with something like PCOS, I know a lot of people are concerned about it in the fertile years, but it is something you want to be taking care of for life because there are, we didn't even get into this things that can, you know, happen further down the road that are yeah, are also related to PCOS. So yeah. okay. Thank you so much for all of this wealth of information, Dr. Weiss. If people want to learn more either about PCOS or inositol, where, where can they go? What resources can they look for, for more information from you? Um, so we have a, you know, we have a newsletter. I send out weekly emails uh, about, you know, tips, um, diet recommendations, uh, exercise recommendations, um, new studies out, uh, you know, that support different, um, uh, you know, different interventions um, and really, just kind of to support the community. It's probationlife.com. Um, and I also have a, of a, of a course on, um, that's right now it's being put out there free called education.probationlife.com. You can sign up for the course and watch it. A lot of the stuff that we just went over, but it gets more into the weeds on the medical side. I think you also have a few of the modules up on that as well. Yes. If you want to learn a little bit about nutrition for PCOS, you could hear me talk about it there for sure. It gives us a, a taste of what you have to offer, which I think is just, uh, you know, just basically pieces of the puzzle. And just, you know, once once you get into this, these good habits and and all of a sudden you look back and you say, hey, the goal that I wanted to hit is behind me. I'm already to the next goal. And so goals should not be a number on the scale. They should be directional. I want to go in that direction. And that's what you want to try to do. Um, and and anything you can do to keep the, you know, the that mental wellness above. And, and and I think that there's so many tools available now. We really didn't get too much into the social media. We touched on it, but, uh, but I think that this was really helpful and I, I appreciate all you've done and, and all the support you've given me over the years. So thanks again. Thank you so much. Okay. Yeah. We're going to link all the information in the show notes so people can find you order the inositol plus. Um, and thank you so much, Dr. Weiss for your time. Great. Thank you, Lauren.